Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And uh, Julie, I was thinking... You take the word astro and you apply it to anything, and it immediately brings to mind sort of a 1950s, you know, space enthusiasm kind of awesomeness, and probably like an overstated awesomeness, like astro gum. You know, you could you could expect that to be basically just gum, but maybe with cool packaging. Yes, man and or astro man. Man or astro man, uh, <laughs> or. Um, you know, just think of it: astro lamp, astro desk. You know, astro boy. They're, they're, they're all examples. So when you, when you talk about astrobiology, there's a, there's a, a hint of, uh, of, of absurdity to it. Yeah. It doesn't quite square in the mind, does it? Yeah. It, it, it can easily make you think of like old pulp magazine covers with crazy wonky looking aliens that have yeah. no, no basis in, in, in any kind of, uh, physiology that we have on earth or could even conceivably exist elsewhere. And it's also easy to, confine the the whole realm of astrobiology to oh i wonder what aliens look like but it's as we're going to explore in this uh this little podcast 
it's there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, okay, astrobiology really deals with uh, speculation about the unknown, but it does it through what we do know, right? What scientific theory and data that we have. Yeah, it's it's uh it, it's it's about deduction. It's very uh, like Sherlock Holmes would approve of this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's Sherlock Holmes in the universe, right? Right. Saying, "Hmm, what what can I deduce here?" Um, you know, where where did we come from? Are we alone? Astrobiology looks at uh, origins, evolution, and the future of life in the universe. Right. Yeah. And it does it by drawing on a bunch of different fields. Yeah, including biology, astronomy, um, geology, astro- and astrogeology. Yeah. You know, figuring out um, all the things that really make life. Like basic, chemistry. Yeah, chemistry. Because basically, this is the, the key. All right. In contemplating life in space or in, and on other worlds, uh, we know that, the, or we believe the laws of physics are universal. Right. So, what the phys- laws of physics here are going to say are the same as they're going to be uh, in any corner of the known universe. All right. So it stands. So it stands to reason that the laws of life also apply elsewhere as well. Okay. So we have to look at the best model of life we have, which is the one we have on Earth. The only model of life right. that we have is the one we have here on Earth. So. We need to understand it. We need to understand how it forms, how it evolves, how it changes, how it kicked off to begin with. Did it uh, Did it just brew up here? Did it uh, get a kickstart from uh, a little bit of a space shrapnel, a little panspermia in action? Hmm. Um, panspermia. Yeah, panspermia. Great word. But uh, but yeah, that, that's that's one of the keys about about astrobiology. It's like taking our model of life and really figuring out how it works in order to figure out how it might work somewhere else. And so you do. You have to think about geology you have to think about climate you have to think about about uh, about you know the biochemical aspect of it all it's uh, so you end up drawing in a lot of different fields yeah and and to make a sort of darwinian tinged joke it really got its legs in the last like 40 <laughs> years um and a lot of that is because there's been a burgeoning technology that's really aided astrobiology. There's been the Human Genome Project, which has mm-hmm. really helped uh, astrobiology in terms of looking at ancient genes, proteins, um, you know, looking at old fossils and trying to figure out what's going on here at the beginning and how can it inform us uh, about what we are like right now and what might be out there yeah. in the universe. And the more we uh, explore to it, it changes the the limits of what of where life can be. Um, extremophiles are a huge example of this. You know, and the you know microbes uh, thriving uh, around the geothermal heat in, right. in dark, deep uh, portions of the ocean. And again, that's something uh, extremophiles are something that we've gotten a much better hold on uh, since we've really, in earnest, begun to explore the oceans. Right. 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 Um, and you know these geothermal vents um, and how and, and then I guess the idea is if an extremophile can exist in that sort of atmosphere mm-hmm. then certainly it can exist somewhere out there in the universe that's very different to the way that we we humans um, as land lovers exist right right like it's changed the way we've thought first about Mars yeah. um, you know in the past it's been like oh well maybe there's a little liquid water um, you know around the, near the poles or something you know, or maybe it used to exist but but with the extremophiles have, have changed the equation a bit where we can say oh well it, it might actually be thriving uh, you know somewhere deep below the surface mm-hmm. uh, likewise the um, there you know there's a lot of excitement about Europa and the idea that beneath these frozen caps you have a lightless ocean which normally you might not imagine things thriving in a lightless ocean that's sealed forever beneath uh, ice caps mm-hmm. but if there are geothermal, geothermal vents down there uh, based on what we've we've discovered right. well that could uh, 
that could be it. That could be how they're thriving down there. Maybe not whole mermaid cities or anything, but maybe, you know, what? some... Well, I'm sorry, but, but yes, probably not mermaid cities. And there are no treasure chests, too, I bet. No, no treasure chests. This presentation is brought to you by Intel, sponsors of tomorrow. Just, but, but still, microbes, the idea that there's some sort of alien life is, is thriving somewhere. Like right now, there's a lightless ocean, uh, on one of the Jovian moons, and there's some, there might be something living around this, uh, searing hot water. That's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Uh, David Grinspoon from his book, Lonely Planet, said, uh, it helped that by the 90s, the second generation of planetologists was becoming well-established in the field of astrobiology, mm-hmm. um, which may at times been falsely hyped as a scientific revolution or a brand new discipline. But it is a refreshing and encouraging development. A revolution really is going on, not a scientific revolution, but a revolution in the culture of science, one that is healthy for science in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. And he talks about that because he's basically saying that astrobiology is bridging all of these disciplines and allowing them to to share their information, especially since we do have this new understanding of the world. Um, and I think a good example of that is that, you know, we kind of thought that the first Earth-like planet that we would find um, outside of our solar system would be Earth-like, right? Right. But turns out that the nearest one is more Jupiter-like. It's really yeah. hot, and it's really changed the paradigm of what um, astrobiologists think happened in the universe and hot how Jupiters. we developed. Yeah. Hot Jupiters? Hot Jupiters, that's what they call it. That's right, hot Jupiters. Yeah. It's the new dance. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Um, so it really does has changed our understanding of, of ourselves. Yeah, and uh, of course, there are other things um, in, in astrobiology that are a little more straightforward. Like, obviously, we know that water is really important to life as we understand it. Right. So in looking to other worlds, um, one of the things we, we look for are signs that there may be water on the planet. We mm-hmm. also look for um, Earth-like planets that are in a, ha- a habitable zone, You know, not too close to the sun because then the porridge will be too hot and not too right. far away because then the porridge will be too cold. The Goldilocks principle. Yes. Yes. Hey, this brings us to another interesting uh, tidbit in the evolution of the field of astrobiology, and that's the Martian meteorite ALH84001. Uh, we ran across this in 96, and uh, they found it contained fossilized Martian nanobacteria, or that was the, the argument. Tiny bacteria. Yeah. Now, uh, subsequently, the, you know, the evidence has, has been discredited for the most part, but still skeptical. For question, right? Yeah. Dis- yeah. It heavily questioned. Uh, skeptics still can't really explain the crystals of uh, magnetite uh, found on this particular uh, meteorite. Okay. But they, uh, the thing is they closely resemble crystals made by terrestrial bacteria. So it's a real thought-provoking relic. Yeah, so when know. it first came out, people were like, oh, this is evidence that life does exist outside there, uh, mm-hmm. outside of what we know. And um, NASA really got behind this. Right. Um which is not to say they got behind something that was um, not worth getting behind, but at the time, it, I think that really gave them a vehicle to say, you know what, this this whether or not it's right, it this is a, a good idea for us to get behind astrobiology and use it to try to explore the world more. Yeah, and part of that is like understanding Earth's early biosphere. You know, examining the earliest sedimentary rock for biosignatures. Um, Searching for biosignatures of key microorganisms mm-hmm. in in these ancient rocks, uh, analyzing ge- genomic sequences, uh, and uh, and and really looking at uh, 
at how evolutionary ecological uh, changes uh, may have occurred uh, following known asteroid impacts. Again, right. looking back to, to the idea of panspermia, the idea that, that in the same way that this meteorite may or may not have signs of bacteria, um, that in the distant past we might have had bacteria introduced to the planet uh, through one of these uh, uh, events of panspermia. I was hoping you'd say that again. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, I tried on the fly to uh, make an adjective out of it, like panspermimic. I don't know. Panspermimic. Spam- panspermimic. But that's just too much Pan-spermed. to do on the fly. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to think about that. Um, but one of the things that I read that I thought was really interesting is that once NASA did get behind it, it was sort of allowed astrobiologists to sort of say, okay, the cat's out of the bag here. Yes, we're interested in in looking at the Earth, um, looking at our solar system and looking beyond it. But the reason we're really interested in this is because we, of course, want to know if there's some sort of alien life form out there. Yeah, it's kind of like that's the that's the real point of the spear. Basically, again, I wonder what aliens look like. But there's all this cool stuff that comes uh, comes off the side of it because right. we end up learning m- much more about what we are. Because, again, it's kind of like uh, imagine a mystery where you're trying to figure out why a coworker is uh, is sad or, or stressed out. And you're like, huh, well, why would I be stressed out? Why would I be sad? And you have to you know, maybe examine yourself to figure out what somebody else is doing. And we're examining life on Earth to try and figure out what life might consist of somewhere else. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, of course, it, even then, we know that that filter is limited. Yeah. Right? So um, trying to – and, again, that's why astrobiology is so interesting because it has so many different fields that yeah. can provide all those different filters. Yeah, and NASA is particularly interested in it, too, because they feel like astrobiology, again, really interesting. And the point of the spear is, I wonder what aliens look like. Mm-hmm. So they think it can serve to excite like new generations about science, about all these different sciences that right. are tied up in astrobiology. Maybe a kid gets into it because he wants to know what an alien looks like, but ends up becoming more interested in how climate change affects uh, you know, species on, on Earth as we know it today. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about this before, about how there's a sort of cosmic navel gazing. Like, uh-huh. you know, between us, you know, humans making these lists of all these banal things we're supposed to do in our life, right? Go to the grocery store, so on and so forth. Every once in a while, we kind of stop in our, you know, in our travels and go, why, wait, why are we here? Yeah. Wait, are there other beings out there like are we alone i mean you can't help but not have these thoughts yeah it's like you're in the line you're like you go oh let's see okay i got the soy milk i got the bananas i got the yogurt i wonder if there's a god yeah <laughs> oh i forgot the uh i forgot the nutella and then you're off it again yeah yeah why why, why did my dna uh, why did it survive mm-hmm. this you know I, it going back so many hundred thousands of years it's pretty fascinating actually um but again astrobiology is really seeking to try to answer these questions uh, astrobiologist actually Paul Davies and Charles Lynn Weaver, Line Weaver, have found that cancer share similarities with early forms of multicellular life. So again, this is something that you were talking about that in, in this pursuit, we, we find all these different pieces of information emerging. Right. And this is, I think, one of the most fascinating ones. Um, so we're talking about ancient forms of life that survived, you know, 600 million to 1 mil, 1 billion years ago that might be related to what we know know as cancer. Yeah, it's kind of, I like to think of this kind of as the uh, the demolition man factor. For the one listener out there who questioned uh, the exclusion of demolition man uh, references from a recent podcast, in this film, in this science fiction film, uh, the world has advanced and become more peaceful, and uh, 
this uh, ultra-violent Wesley Snipes-type character is completely obsolete. But he was frozen. He's not dead. He's frozen and preserved in some sort of uh, a prison. And then he escapes on an unsuspecting world. So it's uh, the, the idea that uh, Davies and Lineweaver are putting forth is that, um, is that cancer is, uh, is basically just the, the Wesley Snipes in this scenario. It is the, the archaic form of life. That's suddenly right. back on the scene, and it's causing <laughs> chaos. Yeah, that's. I like how you put that. Actually, um, it's also known as atavistic, right? Mm-hmm. So it's reoccurring, uh, not vestigial, right? Not something that has gone extinct, but something in our um, genetic coding that may pop up. And that was quite a revelation. I mean, that's still somewhat of a theory out there, but um, unlike bacteria and viruses, cancer has not developed the capacity to evolve into new forms. So cancer is better understood as the reversion of cells, this, this atavistic uh-huh. quality to the way that they behaved. Um, so basically what that's saying is that because they are atavistic, uh, there, there's a limited set of functions that it can perform. Mm-hmm. And so in, if we can understand it in this way, we may actually be able to treat it better that way because it's not a moving target anymore there's some form of predictability to it right and it's not necessarily about understanding something new but understanding something very old right right and see that's very that's what i think is so fascinating about this is because we've always thought of cancer as rogue cells taking over right but in fact it's just that it's it's sort of been there uh but you've got our more modern cells that if if they're damaged or they're not performing, all of a sudden you have these cancerous cells that have their own little toolkit, mm-hmm. almost like a computer virus, right. right, that sort of implant themselves. Um, so knowing that, that they've got a discrete function is pretty fascinating and that they can evolve and they're not they're not a moving target. Um, so and how how cool is that the astrobiology is a part of that? Right. Yeah. Again, it, the, the, the point of the spear is still. Wonder what what aliens look like. Wonder what life on another world may consist of. Right. But we're learning so much about more about ourselves in our quest to answer that question. Yeah. So for any for anybody who thinks, oh well, what you know, why is astrobiology important? It's just pie in the sky stuff. Um, it's just sort of like when people first looked at the human genome project and thought, well, this is ridiculous. Why are we mapping the human genome? Yeah. You know, what's what's the worth in that? Well, th- there have been all these different offshoots which allow us to look at this very microscopic level and say, oh, okay, look look at how cancer is um, performing as this sort of ancient uh, gene. Yeah, it's giving us a deeper understanding of life, and it's it's also fueled a lot of, of, of measures to make sure that as we continue to explore other worlds, that we, we keep this in mind and we don't pollute them with, uh, with Earth life, uh, that, that we, we try and keep it a little sanitary. If can keep it clean. Yeah, keep it clean if possible. Uh, but th- that's just one of the many things that have come out of come out of this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a young field. It's really exciting to to be alive in this you know day and age where this sort of data is coming to fruition. Yeah. Um, not just that we have our iPods handy, but you know <laughs> <laughs> that we can see that the the full impact of something like the Human Genome Project in astrobiology. Yeah. Bringing scientists together. It's a beautiful thing. It is indeed beautiful. Speaking of beautiful, uh, don't we have uh, just a quick uh, note from a listener there? Yeah, we do. We've got a note from Michael, and um, he sent us a, a nice email, uh, and I'll just read the first couple of um, sentences. But we were talking about subliminal messaging in our Eat Popcorn podcast, and I had talked about a subliminal cross used in a politician's commercial, mm-hmm. and at the time I couldn't remember who it was. But he wrote to say, hey, I remember the controversy surrounding 
Huckabee's commercial and how people made a big deal about the shelves in the background that formed a subliminal cross. So it was, was like Huckabee. Okay, it was like books on a shelf and they formed a, like a cruciform shape. Yeah, like okay. that's the interstices of the, the bookshelves just kind of made this cross like I mean if you looked at it you could see what looked like a cross I, honestly I don't know that I would have picked it out if I hadn't been hip to the fact but that's the thing about subliminal messaging right you, you, you don't know what part of your brain is picking up on stuff exactly so thank you Michael thanks for the heads up on that if you have any cool examples of subliminal messaging you would like to share with us or if you have any thoughts on astrobiology, if you are indeed an astrobiologist or, a, or in any of the fields that uh, stray into its territory, uh, feel free to drop us a line on Twitter or Facebook. We are Blow the Mind on both of those. And you can also drop us a line at BlowTheMind at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.